0: Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are... The The Narrators 3. And
1: this
2: is Once Upon a Rewatch. Where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 22, There's No Place Like Home. The original air date for this episode was May 11th, 2014. The writers were the Kitsowitzs. It was directed by Ralph Hemmacher, and the title card is The Time Warp, so everybody jump to the left. (laughs) We begin in Portland of the Past, where teenage hooligan Emma Swan meets up with Neil Cassidy in a dank warehouse area, where he breaks into a locked area of an amusement park. He switches on the power of the rides, and they sit on the swings as they drink coffee. And damn, for real, get a man who will break into a carnival for you. That is cute as hell.
1: This scene is so cute. I can't stand it. Neil, you lovable criminal.
0: For real, if a person broke me into a carnival for our first suedo date, I would completely marry them.
1: Just Michael Raymond James, like, sitting with his swing turned backwards, like, talking with Emma was just, it was so cute, and while
2: it rained, ugh. He's adorable, honestly. Adorable. He just mm-hmm. has a perpetual puppy dog face. Mm-hmm. He is so, so charming. Which is why no matter how many times I've rewatched season one of True Blood, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I always forget because I'm like, look at that face. Renee would never do nothing to hey, no one. Hey.
0: And then I'm always like, Renee, no. I always have surprised Pikachu face every time I rewatch season one. Yeah, even though I've seen it several times.
2: Several (laughs) times. Each time I'm like, it couldn't be Renee. He oh, sure no. had his reasons. He, no, he did not, him, by the way. He, he did, he did not. not. He did not. He did not. He's he a real bad a good person. person at... A real good
0: guy. But <laughs> he's
2: a real bad person. But Man. Michael Raymond James just has that puppy face. Yeah, and, and Neil I... is a good person. Neil, Neil is a good is person.
0: person.
2: Yeah, just why it actually made me happy to go to Once Upon a Time because I was like, oh, good, you're actually just a good person in this one. I don't have to have the moment of betrayal where I go, oh no, you're a mass-murdering psychopath. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. That's his dad. Yeah! Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) Emma wants to know Neil's story. He gives her an evasive answer, saying he left a screwed-up situation. Emma guesses that he had a crappy home life, but Neil is forthcoming enough to reveal that his home life was not always bad. In fact, it had once been great. Emma suggests he returns home to fix it, but Neil rebuffs this, saying he cannot return because of his father. His father was not a bad guy initially, but he changed. Neil elaborates, but before that, it was home. It was nice. That's how you've known you've really got a home. When you leave it, there's that feeling that you can't shake. You just miss it.
1: This scene is just everything. I loved it so much, and I have so many feelings about Emma and Neil, and this is just. A wonderful moment we
2: were robbed Mm -hmm. they were really lovely Mm -hmm. we cut to the enchanted forest of the past as emma is unceremoniously chucked into a dirty dungeon cell and locked up after the guards take their leave another prisoner speaks up asking emma if she's all right emma assures her she is fine but introduces herself as leia the kind woman cannot speak her name as the queen does not know her identity which is the only thing keeping her family safe Emma takes a roll out of her pocket and gives it to the other woman, who accepts gratefully.
0: Aw, Snow White has rubbed off on Emma. She now has little pocket snacks to give to damsels in distress.
2: It's very cute. Emma recognizes the other woman as the person who Regina held captive in the village when she and Hook were hidden nearby. The woman reveals that she knew where Snow White was hiding, but refused to tell the queen. Emma asks how long the woman is to be imprisoned for, only to learn that they only have one night as everyone in the dungeon is to be executed the next day. Meanwhile, as Snow White is walking through the forest, she is ensnared in a net. Prince Charming reveals himself to be her captor as he crows triumphantly, I told you I'd find you. No matter what you do, I'll always find you. Snow and Charming have a remixed banter of the original first meeting before the prince assures the bandit he has no intention of turning her in. He just wants the ring returned. And he shows her that damned wanted poster that will never stop making me angry snow tells him she does not have it which is confirmed when hook steps out of hiding he tells charming that it is his princess who possesses the ring but she is locked up in the queen's castle as it used to be her castle snow offers to help so long as she's released of course and then i never have to see your charming face again she adds before the prince wordlessly cuts the rope sending snow and her neck crashing back down to the forest floor
1: i am so happy this scene worked in parts of the original Snow and Annette scene from Snow Falls. They do it a few times this episode, and it worked really well for me. Like, sure, there's obvious differences, like some shots, to Jennifer's, you can tell she's pregnant. But suspension of disbelief, it worked. It worked for me. It felt like the world is trying to write itself. Like, Snow and Charming will always find a way to fall in love, and the universe is trying to, like, fall back into place with them having these repeats of the original moments. And I thought it was lovely. I'm feeling very sappy tonight, (laughs) because all the snowing stuff in this episode just really, really got me. And then my Neil stuff, lots of the romance stuff. This is is a sappy episode, and I love it. I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you're Steven. You love Schmaltz. I love Schmaltz. There's a montage at the end of, like, everyone being in love, and I'm just like, oh. It's
2: because you're literally that part from the Steven Universe episode. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to change it for you, Connie, because you thought it was too schmaltzy. But Steven, you love schmaltz. I
1: do love schmaltz.
2: (laughs) That's you. Later, Hook is driving a horse-drawn cart with Charming in the back and Snow tucked away and hidden from view, feeling every uncomfortable bump in the road. Charming is enjoying her discomfort when he notices a necklace hanging from her neck. Recklessly, he grabs it. Which is kind of a dick move, honestly, even though I love him. Much to Stowe's dismay as she cautions him to be careful, for it is a vial of dark fairy dust with the power to transform the most fearsome adversary into something that can be squashed. Naturally, she is saving it for Regina. Charming asks why the queen is up her butt, and Stowe vaguely explains that Regina blames her for ruining her life. When Charme asks if there is truth in this accusation, Snow says yes.
0: Eh, which we all know is worship, but we went over that in season one. Snow
2: is
1: so deep in her guilt right now, though. There's no convincing her right now. It's not her
2: fault. The cart comes to a halt as they arrive at their destination, just a stone's throw from the castle. Snow hops out of the cart and says they will need assistance, telling the men to stay put until she returns that evening and then they never saw her again. (laughs) End of the episode. End of the episode, roll (laughs) credits. (laughs) That night, Hook and Charming are still waiting for Snow to return, when the former asks if the latter is excited for his upcoming nuptials. Charming admits that he had hoped to marry for love rather than a cold business deal, but he really does not have much of a choice. He's beginning to doubt the existence of true love. Hook says all it took for him is meeting the right woman to squash his doubts. Charming guesses correctly that the woman in question is the lady they are rescuing, Princess Leia, but does she feel the same way? Hook admits he does not know, and Charming asks if her family is making things difficult for the couple. Hook admits he does not think her parents approve of him, which surprises Charming, as Hook is going to great lengths to save his lady love. Under his breath, Hook hopes that Charming will remember that. It's funny, because he's Emma's dad.
1: (laughs) This scene was actually pretty cute, though. I love killing and charming as bros.
2: Best bros. (laughs) Just then, they catch sight of someone moving towards them. It's Red. She wants to help them get into the castle.
1: Red, I love you so much. You look beautiful.
2: We return to Emma in the dungeon as she looks forlornly at the ring she stole, explaining to her companion that it is her parents' wedding ring and she needs to return it to them. The woman remarks that being separated from family is terrible, And the pain she feels from being separated from hers only worsens over time because she knows she will never see them again. Emma tells her that if her mother were there, she would tell them to have hope. But the woman remains pragmatic, as she is certain her family believes she's already dead and soon it will be the truth.
1: I really enjoyed this little exchange. And without saying who the other woman is, because of spoilers for like a half hour later in this podcast, but I want to save the reveal for... For those of you who who are listening, who haven't actually watched the show, because we know we have listeners like that. Hi, Ariana. Hi, Ariana. <laughs> Hi, Ariana. <laughs> um, but I really do like Emma's kind jail pal in the scene, and in this episode, I thought she was lovely and kind and and brave, and she doesn't deserve what's to come for her this next season after this. Row, row, indeed. I don't Yikes! And I'm not going to tell you it'll be a
2: surprise <laughs> a terrible terrible, a terrible surprise. terrible surprise you're not gonna like it none oh. of us like it no. <laughs> no emma spies a spoon with a wire wrapped around it and demands its twin from her friend's cell she entwines the wire around both as she eyes the jail cell door she repeats the line neil said on their first date when he broke into the carnival it's all about the tumblers Using her makeshift pick, Emma successfully unlocks the cell and exits. She moves over to the woman's cell, but the woman insists that Emma wastes no time in escaping. So maybe this is me being stupid, and I'm sure I'll be told if that's the case, but why did these spoons just have wires wrapped around them other than as a plot device? Was it like Regina being like, enjoy your last meal? You're gonna poke your hands a bunch while you try to eat because I'm a bitch. Uh, uh, uh."
1: Yeah, I I got nothing for you. Other than it's not the first time they've had wooden spoons with metal wrapped around them in like a jail scene. Really? I don't know why, but I, I'm fairly positive. We have a scene when it's Regina in jail and she has the spoon and she's like waving the spoon around. And I think it had metal wrapped around the handle that time too. And I, I, I don't know why.
2: I know, I know there was the one scene where we saw Regina in the cell, and there was like a really comically big wooden spoon that I hyper fixated on yeah. for like half of our recording. Yeah, is that episode. what I was
1: thinking of? Her big old spoon? I don't remember
2: there being wire. I just remember being like, why is that spoon so comically large?
0: My spoon <laughs> is too big. Because, yeah, I was like, what is this? Jokes.
2: Rejected? What year is this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I had the same thought. Like, I was like, convenient wire is convenient. Like, if they had been attached to a tray so the prisoner could not use it to, like, dig a tunnel or make a shiv, like, I I would get that, you know? But they didn't show us that, so...
2: Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Was it just like, we can't figure out how to get them out of this cell? I know the spoon inexplicably has wire Emma can use. Why does a spoon have wire? It doesn't matter. It just does.
1: Yeah, Emma should have, like, picked, like, bobby pins from her hair, from her up... Well, she doesn't have her hair up anymore at this point, but... They could have had her hair still up and she could have just picked They her.
2: could have had something that would have made more sense than just like the spoons all covered in wire like a really lame torture device. Yeah. So you just keep poking yourself while you try to eat your last meal because Regina's got to get one final one in on you.
1: I mean, I don't
2: put it past her. No, she's petty as hell, so I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that's why there's wire on the spoons listeners out there help us
1: do you know why the wires were on the spoon i'm gonna make that our our spotify question of the week
2: do you have spoons with wire on them what why do you put mean? wire on your spoons what's the historical significance what, what does I, wire I, on I, spoons I mean google to you
0: and i asked google and google came up with nothing
2: Google was like, "What the hell? Don't put wire on spoons." They're
0: like here, here's some on Etsy, you freak.
2: <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, you big weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, outside the castle, the guards are getting their asses handed to them by Red the Werewolf, with a little help from Charming and Hook. Very little, honestly. Yeah. Who wraps the cloak around the wolf so she returns to her human form. But he doesn't so much wrap it around her as he just like drops it on her like throwing a blanket over a bird's cage when you need them to go night-night and it's (laughs) deeply funny to me. He's just like, Uh, okay, (laughs) (laughs) bedtime werewolves!
1: I love that this that is the start in this new timeline. That
2: is the start of Charming and Red's relationship. (laughs) Yeah, the night-night blankie. (laughs) (laughs) Night-night blankie. They start to dash off again, and they are nearly bowled over by Emma and her newly sprung jailbird friend. Hook laments that Emma has denied him a dashing rescue, but Emma insists that no one saves her except herself.
1: I really enjoyed the two adventuring parties meeting halfway into the rescue moment. I thought I thought it was cute, and heck yes, I love that Emma had already rescued herself and the damsel in distress. She didn't need to be rescued, but it still must have been a really nice moment for Emma. That everyone came to rescue her. That Hook didn't leave her behind. She wasn't forgotten.
2: Emma returns the ring to Charming, and Red guides them where Snow will be waiting. As the mystery woman rushes onward with a hasty thanks to Leia, Hook realizes that Emma freed her. Emma insists that she could not have gone on without her as she's meant to be executed. But Hook is quite done with Emma deciding to play Russian roulette with the past. Charming interrupts them, telling them to move it or lose it. We cut to Regina's room as she is admiring her newly acquired poison apple when Snow foolishly attempts to sneak up on her stepmother.
0: Regina is sitting in front of a mirror, Snow. You are in its direct path. This is what vengeance does to you. It scrambles your brain. Revenge makes you reckless.
2: Exactly. Regina didn't think Snow was dumb enough to come back home and only gives pause in her taunts when she learns her stepdaughter is wielding dark fairy dust. It is of no consequence to her, though, as Regina does not believe Snow White has the metal to kill her. Snow attempts to chuck the dust at Regina, who easily thwarts it with her magic. The Queen calls for her guards as Snow defiantly tells her that she was only a child who had no idea Cora would kill Daniel. And like, hell yeah to this version of Snow for being like, I was a kid, you psychopath. It's not my fault your mom is a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Regina calls her a child who did not learn that her actions have consequences, which, you know, fucking pot kettle black much, but whatever. Snow assures the queen that, though she might kill her, the kingdom will never be hers. Regina announces that Snow White will die that very night. The Scooby Heroes gang is looking for Snow upstairs in the castle, only to discover that Regina and her guards are readying a stake empire for the bandit princess.
0: Your balcony barbecue is kind of trashy, Regina.
2: Just like that hairdo. Oh. Snow is escorted towards the stake as Emma is understandably freaking out. Charming believes it is too late to save Snow. Which is just so sad that this Charming doesn't even try.
1: Because you know the Charming of today, the Charming of the proper timeline, would have leapt out that window if there was even a fraction of a chance he could have saved Snow. But this one hardly knows her.
2: Hook takes hold of Emma as Regina sends a fireball directly at her captive. And I gotta take a moment here, because okay but as if regina wouldn't give snow just the most public execution ever like she'd ever settle for killing her off in private she's too petty for that shit let's be real
0: yeah I- I, that's what shocked. and plus i'm like this is your balcony your room you're set your room <laughs> on fire is your room fireproof like what is this
2: it's gotta be with how much she lobs fireballs around at this point <laughs> it's true it's true She was just like,
1: "Mm, no chances. Gotta kill her
2: now. I'm done. I just refuse to believe that she would like her supposed greatest nemesis in the world, that she wouldn't have like so much pomp and circumstance for her execution. She would make the whole damn kingdom watch. (laughs) I refuse to believe that she would just be like, we're just going to have a quiet backyard function. (laughs) Like, sure. Understated and Regina, those are two pri- things that a go private together.
1: ceremony <laughs> It was very tasteful <laughs> although when she gives snow the apple that is a very private moment as it's just her and snow on Daniel's grave. So the balcony barbecue isn't that out of character since the Apple moment, which was a big takedown moment for the queen later, was very private
2: In the forest, a tearful Emma is sitting by a lone fire with hook. He advises her not to relive the horror she just witnessed, as he did when his brother died. He gently urges her to live in the here and now. His words spark a realization as Emma remarks that she is still alive and has not disappeared, meaning Snow White must have miraculously survived. As Emma and Hook begin to hatch a plan to find her, a bug begins swarming around Hook persistently. The insect lands on Emma, and just as Hook is about to smack it with a stick, God bless him, (laughs) just. Oh, thank God he's pretty. Charming intercedes as he realizes the bug is Snow White.
1: Charming used his one brain cell! And it was enough to save Snow White!
2: Yay, Yay. Charming! I'm so proud of you! Which is good, because Hook is just like, I'm going to murder the shit out of this ladybug. Like, damn dude, it's a ladybug. It's not like a mosquito or something. Chill out. The ladybug, don't squish ladybugs. No! Also, they're helpful for the ecosystem! Calm down! Yeah, they eat harmful pests and help your garden. Gosh darn it, Hook. Make hooks sit through like 20 ride-throughs of living with the land. Living with the (laughs) land! They surmise she must have salvaged enough dark dust to transform herself at the last minute. Snow is trying to communicate this, but no one speaks bug. No one, that is, except for the blue fairy. Oh, great. This bitch.
1: I think it was very cute that snow was a ladybug though i feel like that was a good bug choice for her
2: it was especially since like i think there's some indication that it has to do with personality
1: mm. mm-hmm.
2: because you see a little bit later you see trolls that have been turned into bugs and they're all cockroaches yeah mm. but snow is a ladybug so i think it's like an indicative of personality thing what kind of insect you get to be mm-hmm. which is pretty fucking cute honestly but mm-hmm. anyway The fucking blue fairy arrives (laughs) and clocks Emma for trying to elude her, but does not press the matter, as she senses it would not be wise. Either that, or her head's too far up her ass to care. I don't know. Right. The blue fairy does something useful for once and returns Snow White to her human form. Joyfully, Emma embraces the restored princess, who looks right through her as Emma is a literal stranger.
0: Mommy, why is this strange lady crying?
2: Snow so is so baffled. I'm like, oh, poor Emma. Yeah, immediately me poor and Elisa were watching it, I compared it to that part in Megamind where there's the random guy in the crowd who's like, I love you. And the superhero's like, and I love, I love you, you, random you, citizen. Because <laughs> yes. that's very much like cause Snow's just like, oh, thanks. God,
1: I like that movie. Megamind, that's like a surprisingly good movie mm-hmm.
2: no mega i like megamind like once you get past the fact that it's not very pretty to look at it is a good movie
1: yeah like it's not the best animation but story-wise the cg
2: is a little rough but it is a solid story yeah. yeah yeah watch megamind the next morning red departs and snow approaches charming to thank him for his help he says it was the honorable thing to do. Sweetly, Snow offers to refill his canteen down by the river, and he accepts, watching her walk away. Emma happily observes this exchange, remarking that her parents are warming up to one another. Hook brings her attention back to the prisoner, who should not have been freed, with Hook coming up with wild ripple effect outcomes, a mass murderer for a son, or drunkenly killing one of the seven dwarfs by accident. (laughs) Emma has a plan, to take her with them. They fess up to their intention and why. But the woman is not having any of their guff and refuses to go with them. Unless, of course, they're kidnapping her. She turns to go and Emma, much like her mother, whacks the woman upside the head.
0: Kidnapping it is, then.
2: The woman in this family sure love bludgeoning.
1: (laughs) I know it's for the sake of the timeline, but I feel so
2: bad for this poor woman. Yeah.
1: She's like, I just want to go home to my husband
2: and kid. know anyway, she's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to see my family. And Emma's like, my fuck you branch says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I learned it from my mom.
0: Go thank me later.
2: <laughs> Charming believes the line Emma gives them about the woman just resting. Bless his sweet <laughs> himbo heart. <laughs> oh, thank God he's pretty. He begins to inquire if anyone has seen Snow as she was headed for the spring and oh no, she totally stole the ring again and took off. Thankfully, Charming knows exactly where she is headed, to the harbor for passage on a ship via the troll bridge. While this was the setting for another romantic moment between Snow and Charming, the dark fairy dust has already been used and Snow White will need assistance to get away and save Charming. Hook and Emma dash to help, but Snow still has her moment of glory as she fools the dim-witted trolls with a bluff. Instead, the savior and her pirate get to watch a Snow and Charming have their romantic moment as it was meant to be, with Snow trying on the ring that will one day become hers. Oh, Emma, just over here like, I love my parents so ding dang much. (laughs) Emma, teary-eyed, watching the moment her parents
1: fell in love was the sweetest and i i got teary-eyed too while watching it i just i can't watch any of the jennifers jennifer or jennifer cry on the show without getting teary-eyed myself i just can't
0: <laughs> it was great to see the actual moment when we the audience knew that emma has this massive change of heart
2: mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i can't
0: leave these beautiful motherfuckers they're
2: right yeah, yeah. <laughs> a snow and charming part Emma checks the storybook to find the stories were successfully restored, in all their poorly drawn glory. <laughs> Regina, of course, still is a boner for revenge, and sends another red shirt after Snow White, after giving him some really fucking mixed signals, I gotta say.
1: Yeah, she does. She's like
2: she starts the scene by just like (laughs) petting his face (laughs) and like doing the like finger under the chin tip up before she's just like now get out there before I murder you and I'm like you are sending this man some really mixed signals (laughs) this is also the scene where you see that the trolls have been turned into cockroaches oh yeah because she goes I step on them and he's like okay
1: (laughs) Regina's like I fixed the timeline I didn't even know this was going on I accidentally fixed this part of the timeline (laughs) look at my boots look at my boots
0: I'm Chell, and I've been leaving my window open since I was 11 years old in the hopes I would be given the Dark Gift. You can find me blasting the bodacious soundtrack to the Lost Boys and laughing at means taking a bite out of the Vampire Chronicles. I'm Tori, and I've been hoping to run into a vampire since I was 12.
1: But like, one I can befriend, not one who will kill me. You can find me reading almost any book with a vampire in it and being angry about the final seasons
0: of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampires have ruined our lives. That's why we're making a podcast about it. Our podcast discusses
1: vampire books, movies, TV shows, tropes, folklore, and more. If it's about the Fang Dead, we want to talk about it. So tune in to Vampires Ruin My Life, available wherever you find podcasts.
2: victorious Emma and Hook return to the Dark Castle, where Rumpelstiltskin breaks the bad news. He was unable to procure the portal. I don't think he tried that hard, but that's fine. (laughs) Only those who open the portal can reopen it, and while he is happy to let Emma have the gold fairy's wand, she is unable to wield her magic thanks to Zelina's curse. I hate Zelina. Hate Uncle Jamie. Hate Uncle Jamie. Hate Uncle Jamie. I, Uncle Jamie. I, Uncle Jamie. <laughs> I was like, there you go. You got to get real British orphan about
0: this. <laughs> I hate Zelina. <laughs> By the way, Zelina means green. Oh. oh. oh
2: i'm still not giving it to them it's still not good as a name it still reminds me of hillary and celery <laughs> like i get they tried to be clever but you know sometimes you shoot for the moon and you just end up in a dumpster
1: <laughs> what language does it mean green
2: greek yeah i guess it does kind of sound greek yeah instead rumpelstiltskin has decided to prepare himself a forgetting potion so he doesn't fuck up his own future with the burden of too much knowledge. I mean, he'll do it anyway, but it's a valiant attempt. (laughs) He sends Hook and Emma to a vast, secure vault where he keeps all magic too powerful, even for him. Hook begins rummaging through the magic supplies, taking random objects like an urn and placing them on a nearby table. I
1: shouted a spoiler about the urn as soon as Hook had it picked up. I definitely baffled my wife by my claim, And, and sure enough, At the end of this episode, it it confirmed my foggy memory of that wild reveal. I was like, oh my god, I remember what happens.
2: (laughs) My defense, it's weird, and it was a weird statement. Yeah, it is.
0: (laughs) After I saw the episode, I had to go back to add into this damn description,
2: because I was like, ah, fuck. (laughs) Fuck, that urn becomes relevant. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid (laughs) relevant urn. Hook believes that since Selena's death unleashed the portal, It should have broken the curse on Emma's magic. Furthermore, he accuses Emma of pretending her magic is no longer viable so she can pretend to be someone else in New York. Emma protests, saying she wants to stop running now. She confesses that watching her mother die changed her mind, along with the powerful relief she felt when Snow turned out to be alive and well. However, the lack of recognition in Snow White's eyes shook Emma to the core. She realizes she's been doing the same thing to Mary Margaret and it is unfair and needs to stop. Henry was not just bringing her back to Storybrooke to be the savior. He was bringing her home. Emma says that Neil was right. You don't have a home until you just miss it. And she misses her parents something fierce. Holy shit, Emma. Is that self-awareness?
1: This scene is so good. Yeah, this scene was incredible. Like, what an amazing emotional payoff to Emma's arc in season 3B. Or honestly, her her entire relationship with her parents, seasons 1 through 3. Emma saying like I'd saved her and lost her about her mother and then and stating that Storybrook is my home. And oh that just it got me good. I cried. I love Emma Swan so much. This scene was great. This episode's great. I have a lot of feelings.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> we love all of them. Her confession has unleashed the magic within the wand, which begins to glow. <sighs>
1: And Emma being the one to bring back her own magic, it's a lovely moment to have her stop running and admit how much she cares about everyone and that she needs her support system. And just all that just fuels her own strength. And it was, it was great. I, I love Emma saving herself multiple times within this episode, but also realizing how much she needs the people
2: she cares about because she cares about them. Emma concentrates and is able to bring forth the portal. Hook heaves the woman into his arms and lunges into the portal. Emma is just about to follow when she is held back by skin. And I say for the millionth time, Emma, you have got to just kick this man in the balls. (laughs) He wants to know if Balefire forgives him, which Emma reluctantly affirms. Rumpel senses there is more, and Emma is forced to reveal that Bay dies, but he dies a hero. She begs Rumpel to not let Bay's death be in vain, as he saves everyone, and she loved him dearly. Rumpel falters, believing he could change the future. And I mean, he could. Like, Neil could not die in this timeline, and Rumpel could stay dead, and we could have Neil back, and not have every week be a new episode of Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. But I digress. And Emma reminds him that he may make things way worse and begs him to drink the Forgetting Potion. Though this knowledge pains him, Rumpelstiltskin follows through, flinging Emma into the portal as he downs the potion. The portal closes and a bewildered Rumpelstiltskin is left wondering, what the hell am I doing here?
0: (laughs) Okay, but this scene was my favorite. Because it was very, very emotional. And both Robert Carlyle and Jennifer are acting the ever loving shit out of it. Because he desperately wants to know what becomes of his son. And make sure that like actually forgives him. And like all of this shit he's going through is actually worth it. It is. But he knows that she's hiding something. And again, it's probably her better judgment. She lets him know. But he very well could have just done something else. But he didn't. He did the right thing, even though it just, like, broke his heart. He's like, yeah, I'm not gonna forget this horrible, terrible knowledge. And so he just lets Emma go, takes his potion, and then, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I was just like, oh my god. (laughs) And after all of that heavy emotion, just the most, like, uproarious line to end it all with. I thought it would have been prudent for Emma to mention that Bay will leave behind a son, Rumpel's grandson to at least like give him like a little bit of joy, a little bit of hope, you know? Like, give me one reason why I should still go on. And then you go, because you'll have a grandson. And I think that would have been really, really, really powerful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I that, that could have just added just a little bit more depth to it. It makes me extra angry that they walk back then everything that Rumple goes through in 3A, because if they hadn't, I feel like this scene would have hit better in the feels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was good, but like, there's a little bitterness in there because of everything they've done in 3B to his character.
1: Yeah, because the Rumpel who switched the dagger and has been gaslighting Belle, would that rumple have taken the forgetfulness potion, you know?
0: Right, exactly.
1: Like, has he changed for the worse?
0: Yeah, after like five minutes after changing for the better, like in in such an amazing way. Yeah.
1: One of the things I, I loved about the scene, though, was that the background music here included the Neil and Emma theme. And it was just so painful, but so good. <laughs> it's like very specifically like that, like that Neil theme, that Bay theme. And it's just, it's just a really lovely piece of music. I feel like I don't talk enough about how good
2: the Mark Isham score is for Once Upon a Time, because it adds so much. Emma and Hook reappear right at the moment when David is calling. Just as the woman they dragged along is coming to, Emma asks Hook to fill her in as she dashes off to reunite with her parents at Granny's Diner. David and Mary Margaret are a little baffled at Emma's bear hugs and change of heart over leaving Storybrooke, but are pleased that their daughter is staying where her family is. I kind of love that in this scene, Snow is like, oh, okay, I'm glad you're here, but you're being really weird. (laughs) And bless his heart, Charming is just like, ah, huggy hugs, like it does. (laughs) <laughs> There's not a moment of anything on his face. Than, oh, yay. It's very cute. <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's super it's cute. It's retriever just getting a family hug. he's so just like, cute. Oh,
1: affection. I love affection. <laughs> it's precious. He's the best. <laughs> so good. Uh, and once again, the music, they bring in the like charming family theme, mostly snowing, but they do it for like the charming family too with like Emma and them. It's one of the best pieces of music on Once Upon a Time, and it just elevates these like triumphant season finale moments, these family moments that they have that's kind of been like consistent in all the big finales. I was so in it. I was just like, yeah, Once Upon a Time. <laughs> Love these guys.
2: A little later, Emma has explained everything, showing off the new additions to the romance of Snow White and Prince Charming found within Henry's storybook. Her parents take it in good humor, proud that Emma is a fairy tale princess at last. As her first princessy request, Emma would like to know the name of her baby brother. David calls the attention of the diners, saying that they have decided to name their baby in honor of a hero, someone who has saved every single one of them. Mary Margaret joins in, introducing the people of Storybrooke to their son, Prince Neil. Emma and Mr. Gold are visibly moved by this gesture.
1: As angry as I am at Mr. Gold right now, his little nod that like... It was kind of like a this feels right nod that he gives. Is this really quiet moment, really well done by Robert. It really got me. It was a mm-hmm. really nice little silent moment.
2: I didn't put this down initially, but I do wonder if it's weird for Henry that it's like, here's your tiny baby uncle who is also named after your dad. <laughs> no, I think he would find Smile, it. Smile wee little uncle. Emma finds Hook outside and sits with him, wondering if everything returned the way it was supposed to. Hook jests that he would have remembered the tavern when she kissed. Emma thanks Killian for coming for her, marveling that he was able to outmaneuver a curse on the Jolly Roger, which he used to barter for a magic bean to open the portal between worlds. Moved by this incredible gesture, Emma gently kisses her pirate, who tenderly reciprocates. Meanwhile, in the forest by the Wishing Well, Belle is escorted by her father to stand beside Mr. Gold, as Archie officiates their marriage. Belle recites her vows, who dates she has not spent her life losing Rumpelstiltskin but finding him. Mr. Gold in turn recites his vows and we see a montage of the happy families. Emma and Hook making out, David and Mary Margaret with their new baby, and Regina and Robin walking hand in hand with Roland. But the viewers know all is not well as we see a flashback to Gold hiding the real dagger. Still, the couple continue their vows and seal them with a kiss. Boy! this whole scene would sure have been a lot sweeter if you weren't actively lying to a manipulating bell rumple so yeah go pound sand
1: <laughs> but please appreciate how soft archie is in this scene his teary eyes and his his scratchy voice and it's just it's so endearing and he's so happy for them it was my favorite part of the sequence i'm just like oh archie
2: Now Archie is perfect, and I want to give him a little kiss on the forehead.
0: Yeah, as a Rumbell stan, I am very conflicted by this scene. Like, this should have been such a heartwarming moment of epic proportions. I really think the Kitsowitz have this recurring issue of doing way too much way too soon. And I'll talk more in depth about it in the next episode, though. I'm just angry (laughs) that this is like the same shit, just different episode.
2: As Regina and Robin head back to Granny's Diner, Roland runs ahead to the door while the couple stop for a smooch before entering. Because apparently, in front of Granny's Diner is Storybrooke's premier makeout location. Ooh, apparently. Brown chicken. Brown chicken. No, Brown no, I'll, I will leave. <laughs> the woman Emma brought back spies the formerly evil queen and begins to freak out. But Emma reassures her it's all right. Emma quickly alerts Regina of the issue before bringing the woman over. Before they can make amends, Robin quickly leaps out of his booth, recognizing the woman as Marion, his long-deceased wife. Rutro Raggy. Astonished, Marion is reunited with her husband and her child, while a broken-hearted Regina can only look on helplessly. She lashes out at Emma, saying she is just like her mother never caring about the consequences, which, all right, fine, whatever.
1: I feel like this scene between Emma and Regina would have gone so much better if the writers had Emma explain the situation better. And I know they intentionally had her explain it the way she does for misunderstandings to happen, but really, they, Emma should have been like, so funny story, back in the past, you had me locked in a dungeon for a while, I was Princess Leia, and then they could have had a little laugh, regina probably would have made a very funny face and then emma could have introduced Marion with and i was locked up with this nice lady and i couldn't leave her to die and i couldn't just leave her there because it would screw up the timeline so i brought her here so please say hi so she knows you're not scary and then at least regina maybe wouldn't have like jumped to accusing emma that like you know you brought this specific person back just to hurt me And instead, you know, she would have more likely just been dealing with that realization that she was the one who was responsible for Robin's wife's death in the original timeline and dealing with like that heartbreak. There could have been that drama there without her having to lash out at Emma, right? Like lashing out at the heroes. I felt like it would have been more consistent with her
2: growth this season, but they love the drama. (laughs) Regina snaps at Emma saying that she better hope she didn't bring anything else back from the past which like i said while watching this episode like venereal disease <laughs> <God>. <laughs> i thought it was funny that i still think it's funny now i'm putting it in <laughs> i am just
1: like oh no regina's character development just left the building we worked so hard to get here
0: which is utterly stupid because like okay all of that love that robin had been developing for lena should not have just like evaporated like, I understand that Regina is super upset because of trauma and history and stuff, but Robin should be way more torn about this. Oh, he know.
1: is. Oh, he oh, is. Oh, okay. he is. Yeah, that's oh. a big part of season four. Oh, yeah.
0: oh okay, okay. Yeah. No, I don't like, say anything I'm else, like, That's that's I'm huge. I'm like, this bitch better not... He did not just fucking turn his back on Regina, who he has been actively fucking pursuing.
1: Yeah, no, Robin is... is Desperately in love with Regina, but also, you know, loved his wife. Yeah, so it's a huge
2: although i will i will give that he could have been a little more conflicted in this scene i feel like it could have been a little more of a like less comical version of brad janet dr scott (laughs) (laughs) essentially there is an excellent post that does
0: that of about once upon a time actually and i love it because the the last one is gold like all upset going swan
1: yeah, I think with Robin, it's just the relief that this is someone who's so important to him and he's thought she's dead. For years, he's thought she was dead.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But gosh darn, this is complicated.
0: I'm just glad (laughs) that like you were reassuring me that this is like, he is not just like leaving Regina.
1: Oh no, his wanting to be an honorable man, but also being in love with Regina is a major plot point the next season.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: Dr. Scott.
2: Brad! <laughs> Rocky! Rocky! Brad! Janet! Dr. Scott! Brad! Janet! Rocky! <laughs> we cut to the old barn in the magic crop circle, where the urn hook had taken out of one of the vault cabinets sits on its side, because we told you that urn was going to be important. It pours out a blue liquid, which fills the gaps of the crop circle. A form begins to shape from ice before turning into a woman who, in RuPaul's words, sashays away out of the barn. A trail of ice beneath it. She
0: fucking sashayed. She
2: does. Oh, no, it was it was definitely like I heard RuPaul going a sashay away as she left. (laughs) A trail of ice beneath her fantastic feet. Chekhov's urn. If you see an
1: urn in the first act, in the third act, Elsa will pour out of it. (laughs)
2: It is known. Uh,
0: that's the end of season three, y'all. I, re- I remember <laughs> I saw commercials. Okay, I know now why I checked out of Once Upon a Time. Right at this moment, because I remember when they were really pimping this moment up. I must I must have like been watching the show in between seasons three and four, right? Like went like during a break, and like season four was like gearing up to start. Because I remember they were playing this fucking teaser all the time and I was like, bitch, really? What? And I just I just quit. I rage quit. So that's like what made me quit the show. Like midway through season three.
1: I actually love the Frozen arc. And so oh, I'm going to be arc. very interested on this watch because the no, costumes might be now,
2: lazy, but, but like, the stories actually. Yeah, great. I think that's it, really my only gripe with it is that they were lazy with the costuming.
0: No, 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 for sure. Like, I'm I'm totally fine with it now. Like, I'm older and wiser. But, like, at the moment, I was like, oh, what, we're just forgetting all these people? I'm just like, oh, it, what? And then also remember, like, when they brought her in, this was like the height of frozen fever, so yeah. it did feel like a cash grab. So I was, just, I just figured it wouldn't be any good. I was like, oh well, this show probably goes to the toilet. Never mind.
1: Yeah, and that's what's a lot of the fandom. A lot of the fandom did not give the frozen arc a chance. I think it's actually very, very creative. I, I enjoyed it, but we'll talk a lot more about that in episodes to come. Because right now we're talking about "There's No Place Like Home." I think it was actually clear during the episode, but I, I loved it. I, I love this episode. While I am very lukewarm on season 3B, I absolutely adore its two-part finale. Like, it's not perfect, but it's fun and emotional, and it just represents Once Upon a Time at its best. This one really feels like a love letter to everything's good that's come before. At least as far as, you know, the charming family is concerned. Jennifer Morrison is phenomenal in it. She brings so much heart to Emma in this one, and she's just, like, glowing. When Emma cries, I cry. I just, I loved the scene with Neil. And I, I loved getting to watch Snow and Charming fall in love all over again. And, and watching Emma being so moved while watching her parents fall in love. I just really adored this episode. Obviously, there's things, there's things I don't love about it. It, it was not perfect. Regina falling into her old, hateful, blaming habits due to Emma saving an innocent life wasn't great, especially since this is a life she had been guilty of taking in the original timeline. And I don't even think Regina realizes this yet, but she was. And it's it's such a shame following how wonderful Regina's season three arc has been. Now, obviously, this it's a huge shock to her and a huge disappointment, but just her lashing out with Emma was just like... Oh, what a backslide! Such a backslide, and then the wedding of Golden Bell would have been really sweet if it wasn't under the cloud of Gold's lies and manipulations of Bell. And I feel really bad for the Rum Bell fans because this should have been a wonderful moment, mm-hmm. and they didn't give you that. And so, mm-hmm. so my apologies to to Chell and the Rum Bell fans. That must have sucked because that was not cool. That was not cool. And there's lots of things about that moment that could have been really sweet, but it wasn't because of what just happened. Mm-hmm. Even so, those scenes of their wedding were still edited together really lovely, spliced together with other moments of family and love around Storybrooke. And Archie was just, he was like verklempt and so adorable mm-hmm. that I, I still enjoyed it despite Rumple being a poop because I think Archie's so invested in Mr. Gold becoming a better person. So like, I know he'd be so disappointed to know what was actually going on. But in this moment, he's so proud of him and it's very sweet. So overall, like part one of their time travel adventures, part two, I also had a blast. I thought this was a really solid ending to season three as a whole and just a lovely chapter in the Charmings family story.
2: This episode honestly gets a mess of bonus points for me for the opening scene alone, just because it was so very, very sweet. And made me so incredibly angry all over again that we lost Neil just so we could have continued seasons of lizard face rumple making himself everyone's damn problem. <laughs> but it was a Charming's heavy episode, so I obviously liked it, even if at times it was pretty glaring when they were using older footage versus current footage. Because as Elisa said, the current footage, you can really tell Chen's pregnant, <laughs> but that's okay. They don't have the biggest budget, so I can let that go. So, overall, I liked it. Plus, we got Ruby, and I love Ruby. So, if she shows up, I'm usually happy. Yeah.
0: This was a very strong ending to a very sloppy half season, except for, of course, all of the bullshit character backsliding they did to Rumple. As I said, though, I'll go into this more in depth next episode. What I'd like to focus on right here is the phenomenal performance of Jennifer Morrison. You know, I'd been pretty transparent that I wasn't a fan of hers in other shows I had seen her in, like How I Met Your Mother and House. But holy shit, does she keep upping her game here in this show? Like, she really carried this finale into the home stretch. Like, her journey in 3B kept the heart in 3B and it made it bearable despite like the other kind of bullshit that was going on. So props to her props to like the writing for her specifically was really amazing. So yeah, that's, that's where my love goes. There was a lot of fun moments in this episode and so much emotion and she carried most of it. So good for
1: her. Yeah. Jennifer Morrison is incredible. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. Do we want to talk about costumes? Yeah. I love Emma's little plaid dress and glasses in the opening scene. I think she looks very cute. Also, Belle's wedding outfit is adorable, even if I'm very sad for that poor girl that they made her walk around the forest in stilettos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although, I will forever have my axe to grind about the ever-important charming wedding ring. Like, it's thoroughly modern. You wouldn't have found that style of ring anywhere before the year 2000, and certainly not in a high fantasy setting. And it grinds my gears each and every time there's a close-up of it, which is a (laughs) lot, so I'm angry frequently. The stone's pretty, though. You just like it because it's green. I do it because it's green. (laughs) It's pretty. It's a modern cut stone. It is. In a floating setting. It's very modern. It's
1: very modern. Eduardo. Eduardo, we just want to talk.
2: It wouldn't have existed before the year 2000. Why do I not have some like lord of the rings vines and like flower band type high fantasy elven looking bullshit instead of this thing that looks like i could have bought it at claire's that would have been beautiful i've seen that ring at claire's He bought it
1: at <laughs> or it was his father bought it at Claire's for his mom because it was his mom's ring.
2: Eduardo Castro's father bought it for his mom. Oh, I thought you said
1: like I, I thought you were implying charming bought it at Claire's, not Eduardo. No, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was in I was in a universe. <laughs> I was like, I, was, I know. Was I was like, like wait, what? Ring. It was his mother's ring? Eduardo
2: Castro's father went to Claire's for his mother's <laughs> wedding ring? Maybe. We don't know. All right. That's Lynn's yelly soapbox about costumes and <laughs> yeah. rings and how much that ring <laughs> makes her angry, which is a hardship because, boy, we sure see it a lot.
1: I don't know if I have anything else to add costume wise. I'm glad we got to see some classics again, like Bandit Snow, Charmy's brown outfit, and Red's amazing default outfit. It's so beautiful. Every time we see it, I'm just like, oh, Eduardo, you did good. Emma That's looked. That right. Eduardo is capable of great beauty and, and also great crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Emma looked very angelic in her last enchanted forest look as she watched her parents fall in love. There's just the shot of her through the trees with her hair and the the, like the cape and it's just so pretty
0: i have nothing of substance to add to any of this costume commentary i like Belle's little hat when i first saw it i actually thought she had cut her hair and i was like oh Oh. my god oh
2: instead of having it like tastefully rolled and tucked up under her little mm -hmm. period piece hat
0: yeah her little cloche which means Belle
2: in french
0: okay that's
2: clever i'll give them that one
0: very clever Mm -hmm. and that hat was like made from like a very upscale milliner like up in canada i believe nice she looked super cute she did look very cute all right it's time to play who's that guest star in season three episode 22 we have christy lang as maid marion or marion Canadian actress Christy Lang is known for her work in titles such as Arrow, Unreal, iZombie, A Fairly Odd Movie, Grow Up, Timmy Turner, and Supernatural. Little Roland is played by Rafael Alejandro, a Quebec-born actor with roles in Bunked, Acapulco, and he does voice work for various Disney cartoons, like the Star Wars ones. Oh, cute. Yeah. He's a cute little kid, man. He is a cute little kid. And I feel like Marion is really good casting for his
1: mother as well. Mm-hmm. Like you can see some resemblance there. Yeah. She's pretty. She's so pretty. She's pretty. Yeah. She's pretty.
0: I think he's of Portuguese descent because he, like, according to his IMDb, at least he speaks not just French but also Portuguese. Oh wow,
1: that kid's so much more talented than me. Respect.
0: This kid is super talented. <laughs> he's getting a lot of work, so good for him. He's got his foot in that Disney door.
1: All right, it's time to take our final journey down Once Upon a Timeline in Season 3. Much like the last episode, this one also contains only a single flashback, which is the cutest flashback ever. Here we see Teen Emma and Neil in a romantic first date that we can assume takes place sometime shortly after their Grand Theft Auto meet-cute at the beginning of Season 2, Episode 6, Tallahassee. And of course, once again, this episode's time travel plot takes place during the same time period we originally saw in season one, episode
2: three, Snow Falls.
0: Time for some rants and raves and recommendations. What's been going on with you, Lynn?
2: I know Elisa is going to cover the things we did together because um, that's marriage. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to talk about a thing only I watched was the menu. There's a really clever horror movie that toes the line more of dark comedy and psychological thriller. I am a sucker for horror films that actually have a point and something to say and actually do it right. Unlike some other ones I've watched recently, looking at you, bodies, 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 I want an apology and two hours of my life back. Anya Taylor-Joy is amazing in it. And if you've been paying attention at all, I am a sucker for good horror movie Final Girls. And she is a very, very good and clever Final Girl. And I just love her. And I'm starting to realize I'll pretty much watch anything if she's in it. She's great. She's fantastic. Anytime she's in anything, I'm just like, I'm here for it. (laughs) I don't know what you need to do, but you're going to (laughs) win.
1: So mine is that we just had a long weekend after a very stressful week. And I watched a lot of things with my wife that made me happy. We caught up on Dimensions 20 Never After, which is amazing And it would probably appeal to at least a portion of Once Upon a Time fans. If you like tabletop RPGs, like actual play content, and you love fairy tales, fairy tales in a different view
2: that might be a little dark. Say fair warning, it is much darker than Once Upon a Time.
1: It is much darker than Once Upon a Time. Although Once Upon a Time, it's pretty dark, but it's definitely, definitely dark. It's Um, much darker. It is very good. And uh, just everyone's great. I I don't want to say too much about it but if those are things you like I really recommend it. We also started season 2 of Fantasy High on Dimension 20 as well, which has been What's very Dimension
0: fun. 20 I don't know what this is.
2: College Humor has essentially an internet channel called Dropout and you can get it as an app or you can watch it like on your computer. Um they also have a YouTube channel but they don't put all of the content up there. Okay. Um, so
0: it's like an app you can add to like your Roku. Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
2: And they have Like a sub channel within Dropout that is called Dimension Twenty, which is where they put all their D and D programming. Okay, great. And they have several different shows that they run. Like not all at the same time. They do like a can't like each season is a different campaign. And some some campaigns like Fantasy High, which is essentially like if a John Hughes movie had D and D tropes in it, Mm -hmm. got two seasons. But a lot of them only get one. Fantasy High is what they started with, and it was popular enough for them to do a second season.
0: I'd probably watch that one.
2: I think you'd like Fantasy High. I don't 100% know if you would like Never After just because Never After is their horror season, which is why I'm like, I don't 100% know if everyone who likes Once Upon a Time would like Never After. It gets very dark and very creepy and does have content warnings at the beginning of every episode so you know exactly what you're getting your ass into. That's nice. So one of the things I love about Dimension 20 is they're very responsible and communicative. Much like like Rusty Quill. Even more so, actually. Okay.
1: I haven't had an issue yet with any of Never After's content. So if you're curious, Chell, I think you could do it. Okay. And it has a likable Pinocchio.
2: The only Pinocchio I've ever <laughs> liked is Lou Wilson as Pinocchio.
1: Comedy gold. But also some really good actual serious moments. I don't know. Never After is great. What a good time.
0: My favorite Pinocchio is Shrek Pinocchio.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we actually just, we watched... just we watched
0: Shrek. Yeah.
2: We watched the first three Shrek movies. Yeah. Want to
1: watch the new Puss in Boots movie. So we're like yes. gearing up to watch the Puss in Boots movie. Okay. Yeah.
2: I, I love I love Puss in Boots and all in all forms it's one of my favorite fairy tales and we started
1: on that because my favorite character in never after is pibb is, is puss in boots oh. um and as we started talking about it and lynn had only ever seen the first trek and i was like well let's we can watch track
0: <laughs> oh i love the second movie
1: and that one has puss in boots mm-hmm. yeah. so cute and i was like lynn loves puss in boots lynn loves antonio banderas she needs to see the
2: second trek i do love both of those things
1: um, let's see what else we watched in the last month. We watched all of Cas Rose video essays, which are fantastic. And I am sad we are caught up because I could listen to them talk about queer history for hours, and I have. That's what we we spent a lot of our free time I this actually month doing. Just
0: subscribe to their channel. They're very good. They're fantastic. At first, I was like, "What does this kid know?" Because you know, I'm old, and that's just what I think when I see young people talking about like old timey things. But then I'm like, no, wow, they do their homework. I like this.
1: <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. They know their shit. Know their and when shit. they don't know their shit, they know that they don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like is great. Also, uh, the first episode of The Last of Us premiered. And it's so good. And that that video game holds such a huge part of my heart. So I was, I was nervous and excited for the show. And oh my gosh, they have done such a good job so far. And you can tell that everyone working on it has such a deep love for the source material. It was wonderful. We also, Lynn and me this weekend, watched Luck, which has our lovely Captain Jones in Oh, it. Colin,
2: Colin Donahue. He's yeah.
1: a leprechaun in it. He's a, he's a leprechaun. A very what? cute leprechaun in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like a secondary character. He's like, not the lead, but one of their like supporting friends.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's very
2: cute. I definitely didn't cry like an idiot at the end of it and hope my wife didn't notice.
1: (laughs) She did. It was so sweet. I cried a little bit, too. It was very sweet. That was that was a sweet movie.
2: It would it would be a huge spoiler to disclose why I cried, though. So okay, I won't say it in case anyone's planning on watching it.
1: Yeah, recommend it. Our dear Captain Hook is in it uh, as a leprechaun. Uh, Simon Pegg is a black cat. Yeah. Um, One of the main
2: characters is a black cat voiced by Simon Pegg. Watch it for that alone.
1: And the Broadway Eurydice from Town is the lead. Ava, I forgot her last name, but she's wonderful. Yeah, it was a really charming movie. Jane I, Fonda's I a dragon. Jane Fonda's a dragon. <laughs> the unicorn is the How Does a Daddy Along <laughs> Make a Life guy? Balula. Yeah.
2: It is very cute.
1: It's very cute. And also, we finally watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. And that was also incredible. <sighs> I have to
2: see that stuff. Oh, it's so good
1: so good so yeah we just we had it we did nothing this weekend except for watch things and rest up because we've both been under the weather and it was really nice and i i tried to you know pin down the the part of myself that's like we're not being productive Mm -hmm. like no we're not being productive it's fine but yeah sorry that was a lot of list of recommendations but we just we watched a lot of good content and i wanted to share
2: it was like three days of us just like lounging on the couch parked in front of the tv though so we had a lot of time to watch it
0: yeah nice. What about you, Jill? Um, I went on a little vacation with my mom to Palm Springs. So last year I turned 40 and my mom turned 65. So we didn't really get to do anything last year. My mom just wasn't yet comfortable going out and stuff and going on vacations, basically. But we decided to do this and this was going to be the thing that we do. So we ate quite well. Highly, highly recommend Elmer's Diner they had a german pancake oh yeah they're very famous for their german pancakes oh so good but we drank some delicious tiki drinks and we finished it all off with an amazing morning and early afternoon at a day spa so like we were soaking in tubs of natural mineral spring water and i had a full body scrub and scalp treatment my mom got like a facial and it was just like the cherry on top to a really lovely weekend also there is a new puppy in my life and her name is cannoli she is a german shepherd mix and an absolute love she's about mm, four to five months old i adore her i spent all day today with her and i just really can't wait to puppy set her because i am completely in love she sounds so cute she is so cute she's just such a happy puppy She's just happy to, to, like, be alive. That kind of puppy energy. Like, oh my god. What's <laughs> this? What's this? You know, it's very Jack Skellington discovering Christmastown. <laughs> Minus appropriation.
2: Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, it's our end of Season 3 review. Join us for a wrap-up episode discussing our favorite and least favorite episodes. What worked and what didn't. Our predictions for the next season... And a very special guest, our friend Ariana, who has never seen a single episode of Once Upon a Time, but never misses an episode of Once Upon a Rewatch. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the narrators three. The moral of this episode is home is the people you love, and Emma, you love your parents.
0: Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash
2: Once Upon a Rewatch. Tweet us at Once Upon Rewatch participate in episodic polls on instagram at once upon rewatch follow us at once
0: upon a rewatch.tumblr.com if you enjoy once upon a rewatch please leave us a review on apple podcasts or on your platform of choice
1: the
2: artwork for our podcast was by lychee ruru we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music kevin mcleod our intro music is frost waltz and our outro music is fairy tale waltz
0: This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.
1: And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Yay! Yay! We finished! We finished! We We finished season three!